let's dive right in. Be spending a lot of time in the Gospel of John today. I'm going to open with John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Amen. But to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict, that light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And now 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we are in relationship with you, not just as a form of ritual, not just a matter of what we may do each and every week. Lord, we're not in relationship with you just with our minds as if it's simply an intellectual exercise. It's not a, just about ritual. It's not just about our learning and our minds, but it's also a relationship of the heart where each and every week we come with the concerns of our heart and the affections that we have and we lay them before you. In this way, Lord, our relationship with you encompasses all of our life, not just the mind, not just the actions of our hands, but also our heart. Lord, I pray and lift up every heart here this morning. 
those who are facing discouragement, those who maybe are at a place where they, they just have the sense of apathy in their hearts. They just wonder if what they're doing even matters at all. I pray that you would lift them up today. You would strengthen hearts and minds today. Bring encouragement today. Let the knowledge of your love permeate this service in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Lighten Up. So turn to two or three people and just tell them, by the look on your face, you need to lighten up. <laughs> lighten up. Go ahead. Turn to your other neighbor that you missed. Tell them to lighten up. I don't want to lighten up. It's okay. God loves you. Here is the gospel. John 3, right? Here is the gospel that eternal life is found in Christ alone. His mission was not judgment, but salvation. That's important because when we talk about the things of God and when we stand up here and we preach, so often people come away feeling judged. They feel like they're being put down. And we have to understand that the word of God is not, doesn't contradict itself. God has sent Jesus into the world not to judge, but to save. And so th those who bear his name, those who proclaim his message, do so in the context of wanting your relationship with God to be reconciled. I'm just setting the tone because there's some serious things I want to talk about today that are maybe going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Are you with me? Are you not with me? You need to lighten up. Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection testify to us about God's love. God loves you. His life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his coming again, all are a message to the world that he has come to save you and not to judge you. If you partake in God's love, you do so because you trust him. The word of God has been spoken. The light has shone into the darkness. Truth has come. But the dividing line, as we see in this passage, has been drawn according to the affections of our hearts. The question is, what do we love? Remember it said in the passage, this is the verdict, that people love the darkness more than the light. And when we read scripture, we have often a way of reading it so that we say, well, that's not talking about us. The question is today, what do you love? What do I love? Do we love the light more than the darkness? This is the dividing line that we see in the passage. 
You might say that I do love God, but I'm afraid. Afraid that I am wrong or not enough. Afraid that I might not be worthy of his love. So rather than step into the light of God's love, what do we do? We hide in the darkness out of fear. But God is about revealing. God is a revealer of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal to us truth. Truth about God and also truth about ourselves. And he will reveal to us the truth and remind us of what Christ has said to us. Are you hiding from God? You say, no, I'm in church. I'm not hiding from God. I'm here. Can I put that out there today that you can come to church 52 out of 52 and still be hiding from God? We can sing the songs. We can go through the motions. But if our heart is not open to what God is saying, we can hide from him, and we have reasons for that. But I want to tell you that hiding from God is not a new thing. It's not a new phenomenon. The first time we note this in Scripture is actually in the Garden of Eden. Look at, with me at Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Do you think God didn't know where he was? Sometimes God asks us questions, not for his benefit, but for ours. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. See, Adam hid because he was afraid. Are you hiding from God? You say, I'm not hiding in no bushes. I'm not out in the garden. And I'm not naked. That's not me. But Adam hid because he was afraid. What was he afraid of? He was afraid of being exposed. Adam was naked, and he came face to face with his vulnerability, and it overwhelmed him. This is our tendency as human beings. In most cases, we do whatever we can to limit our exposure, to cover, over all, to cover our vulnerabilities, and to hide from the truth of our condition. Our tendency is not simply to hide from God because of our weakness, but to run away from the plan of God. It wasn't just Adam and Eve that hid from God, but you remember Jonah. Look at Jonah chapter 1. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship and Basically, this destination, let me just pause there, was in the exact opposite direction of where God had called him to go. Is that you today? Are you 
doing everything you can to run in the exact opposite direction of where God is calling you to go or what God is calling you to do. Jonah found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish in order to flee from the Lord. But we can't single out Adam or Jonah. Look at King David. He wrote Psalm 139. It says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. This is a famous passage of scripture and right after this passage where it talks about that we cannot hide from God. He knows where we are. He knows where you are today in your heart, in your mind. Right after this passage, it talks about how he knit us together in our mother's womb. That he knows our inward parts. He, he, he formed us. He made us. He made you. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows the victories and the defeats. He knows the challenges and the great things that happen as well as the difficult things that are going on. He knows it all. Wherever we go, we can't hide from the Lord. Even darkness is as light to him. Look at Jesus' question to the disciples in John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69. This was uh, happened right after Jesus uh, stood up at the feast and he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And so to the crowd, this was completely offensive. And so it was a hard saying. So a lot of people left him. A lot of people walked away. Jesus turns to the disciples and he asks this question. After this, many disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Everybody's leaving. Do you want to go too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy, Holy One of God. Where could I go from you, Lord? You have the words of life. Where could I turn to? Your the only way to God. You are my only hope, my only salvation, my only strength. You know, many of you know I have two young sons. Gabriel's going to be five this year, and Mikey's going to be three. And uh, one of these fun games that my young son Mikey likes to do, and if you have children, you've probably encountered this, but sometimes they like to hide from me. And, and it's almost like thinking that I, I don't know where he, where he is, but sometimes after the bath, we'll be, uh, you know, dressing him or whatever it is, and, um, 
or in the morning sometimes, and he'll go, little Mikey, and he'll hide behind the curtain in our, in our bedroom. You, ever, you know this? Little son goes behind the curtain, and you can kind of see his feet sticking out of the bottom of the, the curtain. And I'll say, Mikey, is that you behind the curtain? No. <laughs> he says, right? It's not me. And so I'll creep up really slowly right up to the curtain, and I'll just pull it back. And he screams, ah! And you could do this about seven times, and it's just still of equal weight in terms of how exciting it is, right, for him. And he just does this. Sometimes my other son will go into the pantry or the cupboard, and he'll grab something, a snack that he's not allowed to have. And he'll, sometimes he tells me that his mom allowed him to have it. Not true. But sometimes if I catch him in the act, he'll like run on the couch and, and, and this is my older son now, he'll curl into a ball and he'll hold it and he'll just put it in his mouth, but he won't bite it. He's just holding it there and he's just trying to hide the fact that he's, he knows that he's done something wrong and he's, he's doing this. Listen, church, it's in our nature there's something about us that when we, when we understand our weakness, when we know that we've done something wrong or when we have a vulnerability of some kind or when we're ashamed about something, whatever it is, we have this tendency to hide. Sometimes we can hide in plain sight. Sometimes people put masks on. They say, oh, well, I, I got to go to church it's Sunday morning. You know, I, I got to put on my, my, my smiling face. If, if I shake hands with someone or if I say hi to someone, I can't let them know what's really going on. Because if they knew what was going on, maybe they would reject me or not accept me if they knew what I was facing. If my husband or my wife knew what I was facing, maybe they'd reject me, the closest person to me. If my family members understood what really I... I struggle with. Maybe they wouldn't accept me. Can I tell you this morning that God knows all and he loves you just the same. God knows everything about us and he loves you just the same. Is that good news? Sometimes we've had these masks for years that they've become so much a part of our identity, so much a part of who we are that we don't even remember who we are apart from this image that we've put out there, this reflection in order for us to interact with people, in order for us, for us to go out into the workplace. We have to be this certain person. I heard a preacher once say that God can't bless the person you're pretending to be. He can only bless the person you are. Is this hiding from God something we only see in Scripture? Or is it something that I think we all face today? This tendency when we're vulnerable, when we're weak, to put on a mask, to pretend that we're, we're something that maybe we're not because we're afraid. Are we trying to cover ourselves with activity, with Entertainment. We 
say, if we come face to face with who we really are, or are we busy just trying to avoid the subject? God wants to be in relationship with the real you, with the authentic you. We don't just hide from God out of fear. We don't just run from his plan from time to time, but we also hide from ourselves. That sounds like a strange concept. How, do I, how am I hiding from myself? Right? I'm going to break it down for you. There's this passage that I love so much. It's Isaiah chapter 58. It talks about the kind of fasting that pleases God. It reads this. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and malicious talk, and it continues, but I cut it off at here am I. Clearly, uh, this passage is really about justice and mercy. It's about giving to the poor. It's about helping the oppressed. What has always stood out to me is the part about hiding from your own flesh. And hide not yourself from your own flesh. Certainly the context informs us that the central concern of this text is the, that of the practical needs of the people around us, particularly the poor. In particular, it also talks about the people who are closest to us, our own flesh and blood. But I, I think that that's not the only thing that's going on here in this text. There's more to it. I believe it's about not hiding ourselves from the truth of our own condition, from our own weaknesses, from our own vulnerabilities. It's about facing the truth of our human condition. I want to be honest with you this morning, of course, and tell you that this is a struggle. And maybe it's a struggle for you. But what do you do with your free time? What do you do in the moments where you might be sitting down and a thought comes where it says, you need to deal with this subject about yourself? And rather than deal with it, let's put on some Netflix. Am I alone out here? Okay, for all you Amazon people, Prime Video. Crave TV. All of them? None of them? Maybe you're like me and you don't want to face something about yourself, so you hit the fridge. Something sweet. I am the only one here this morning. 
Thank you. Entertainment, games. Some people are workaholics. You know any workaholics? From the moment they open their eyes to the moment they go to sleep, they can't deal with what's going on on the inside because they're busy with something important. Work. What I want to say in the most loving way this morning is that God wants your heart and he wants the relationship with you where we're open to him, where we're not telling him that we're busy all the time. There was a great message earlier this year about Mary and Martha. And Martha was upset with Jesus because she was upset with Mary. She goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, tell Mary to come and help me. There's some important work here. What was Jesus' response to her? Not that the work wasn't important. It was. But he said, Mary has chosen something that is better, and it won't be taken from her. A relationship, a connection. God wants all of us to remove the masks of our false self, to, to put down the remote, to put down the bag of chips, to say we're not going to anesthetize, is that a word? Anesthetize? Correct me later. We're not going to fill our hearts with something other than God when God wants to get at our hearts in order to work on something. We need to give him that opportunity, that, that moment. But instead, our culture is running in the other direction, just like Jonah. It's just about comfort. It's just about entertainment. It's just about spending every moment. And I'm just as guilty as this. I stand here and I'm saying, this is what God is speaking to me. And I'm hoping that it's going to help you. You know, there was a study I saw online about how kids are dealing with all kinds of anxiety because they've got so much screen time because their parents also are on the screens all the time. Life is hard. Life is difficult. There's all kinds of attacks. There's all kinds of challenges. There's all kinds of stresses. And what we do with our stress determines where our heart is at. Sometimes stress can be good if we use it to grow. But if we turn and just turn on the screen, throw a laptop or throw an iPad at our, our children and tell them to go at it, there's going to be consequences for that. Today, the biggest thing in the culture right now is that everybody's offended. The generation that's, that's being produced doesn't have a healthy way to deal with stress. Doesn't have a healthy way to deal with difficulty. Everything just has to be bubble wrapped for them. You know what's going to happen after this message? Someone's going to come to me and say, hey, I was offended by what you said. Lighten up. And I'll apologize because I don't want to offend anybody. But what happened to our Constitution? 
What happened to our resilience? What happened to our ability to persevere through stress? We've made it so easy and so comfortable that we don't know how to handle challenge when it comes. And challenges are coming. Part of the job of the pastor here is to help the church understand the times. Okay? You say, why are we talking about all this? I'll tell you why. Because part of the job of what we do is to help all of us understand what's happening out in the world. Out in the culture. And this is the culture we're facing. This is the difficulty. And so what it's going to take from us is our ability to be vulnerable, our ability to deal with stress, and our ability to take off the masks, let people see who we really are, let them know that we're struggling just the same. But when we're stressed, we don't turn to the ways of the world. We turn to our Father in heaven. Thank you. Our ability, our capacity to move forward in God is completely dependent on our willingness to get over ourselves. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, get over yourself. You take yourself too seriously. And you shouldn't. Amen. Other neighbor, tell your other neighbor, get over yourself. I just want to say that I love being the associate pastor here because most problems just come to Pastor Jeff. So if you have any problem with what I'm saying, it's jlaird at sbcfamily.ca. We'll make sure to print out your email and put it in the lower archive. I'm going to say that again. Our ability to move forward in God is completely dependent on our willingness to get over ourselves. This has been a struggle for me. To move forward, we cannot live in denial. We cannot stay stuck in our past. We must face our vulnerabilities and learn from them and work to improve our strength and renew our minds. This is the grace of God. I have so many people I admire. A lot of them are athletes. And you know one thing that they do so well? Um, you know, whether it's a UFC fighter or an Olympian or whoever, whatever it is, and, you know, they, they come away from a hard loss and they, they're, they're inevitably interviewed and they come to them and say, what happened? How do you feel? And they say, you know what? I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to turn. I'm going to go back. I'm going to address my weaknesses and I'm going to deal with it. And next time I come back, I'm going to be stronger. There's people you admire like that. There's people I admire like that. They have that ability to turn failure into strength. If we are going to move forward, we are going to have to turn our failures into strength. Our failures are our best friends. Our weaknesses are our strength. They're, they're the best thing that can happen to us. We learn very little by winning all the time. We learn more when we fail. We learn more when we face difficulty if we allow it to shape us and to change us. We can't live in denial, but this is the grace of God. People are confused about the grace of God. The grace of God is not simply a blanket for sin. 
It's the empowerment necessary for change. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Grace is not a license or a blanket for sin. Grace, God's grace, comes to you into your life as the empowerment of God to affect change in your life. Grace just doesn't cover us. It gives us a platform to stand, to stand on so that we can live as we should. That's good preaching. You don't believe me? Lighten up. Talking about judging others, okay? Romans chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 say this. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? This was talking about uh, a whole passage on judging others and yet doing the same thing. But then it follows up with this line. It says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's grace in your life isn't a license to sin. God's grace in your life is to empower us to live as we should. He gives us the strength. He gives us the ability to turn from sin, to repent, and to walk in the newness of the life that he's provided us. That's grace. Grace is free, but it wasn't cheap. Grace isn't a license to sin, but the freedom to live as we should. You know, if anyone could have stayed stuck in his past, it was the Apostle Paul. And he wrote many letters in the New Testament. And he, in Philippians, gives us the pedigree of his background and listing all his credentials. And right after he does that, he wrote in chapter 3 of Philippians 7 through 14, But whatever were gains to me... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may attain, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the re res resurrection of the dead. And then he says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I what? I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Moving forward in God doesn't work if we stay hidden. It doesn't work if we attempt, like Adam, to cover ourselves. We must remove the masks, expose ourselves to God's truth, and let the truth of God do its work in us. 
1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I invite Pastor back and the, and the band. We're going to close. I essentially wanted to give you three headings today. One is, if you're hiding from God, stop. There's two words that will save you a lot of heartache. Stop it. Stop it. I'm speaking to myself. When I know God is speaking to my heart and you hear that still small voice and you have some time and the Lord says, come away with me. Come spend time with me. And you're like, no, I got to catch up on Grey's Anatomy. I'm way behind. Or you hit the fridge. Or you call that person and you procrastinate. Even the work you do can be a form of running away from what God is calling you to do. He's calling you home to him. Because he wants to put his finger on something. Because he wants us to move forward. We can't move forward and live in denial. The first step to growth, and if you know me, I'm all about growth, is that we have to admit our true condition. We have to admit to where we really are. You know, the other day, this is really embarrassing. A few weeks ago, I stood on the scale. You should do that at the end of the day when you can just go to bed and sleep it off. <laughs> you do it at the start of the day, it's going to be a rough day. But unless I'm willing to face the reality, how can I ever make steps for change? What is it that God is speaking to you about that you're avoiding the subject on? God always knows where you are and he wants to put his finger on it and to lovingly move us forward, to cause us to grow, to cause us to change. We can't do it when we're so busy with all the stuff we got going on. And all the times in our hearts when God is calling to us, we say, no, Lord, I'll see you later. We must remove the masks. We must expose ourselves to God's truth and let the truth of God do its work in us. You see, most of what I've been sharing today really comes down to one principle, and that is renewing our mind. Don't hide ourselves, persevere, and renew your mind. It says this in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. People are running from God instead of renewing their mind. People are doing everything they can 
to avoid renewing their minds. They're going as far as changing everything else about themselves rather than renew their mind. Rather than say their mind is wrong, they're going to say everything else is wrong. That was my situation. And I want to share this personal story in closing as a, a hope that it would set people free today. I had a moment of reflection a few weeks ago. I was at Brayside camp, which is another Pentecostal camp in uh, Paris, Ontario, which is Western Ontario. And I was there taking a course with Dr. Van Johnson on Pentecostal spirituality. And on my drive up, the Lord began to speak to me about something that was in my heart that I needed to deal with. And I find when I have these long drives, I'm alone, this is where God speaks to me because I got no other distraction and he can really do his work. And he said, you know, Jordan, I'm trying to put into words what I sensed the Spirit of God was saying. So, all of your life, you have been fighting for something. I said, what have I been fighting for? All of your life, you have been fighting for respect. I said, what are you talking about? I began to think about every conversation, every situation where I'm working with someone, talking with someone, embarrassed or whatever. The mind has a way of reminding me of all my embarrassing situations. I don't know how it is for you. Maybe your mind helps you out. My mind sabotages me. It always hits me where I've made mistakes. I said, Lord, I want to be free from this. I want to be free from being a people pleaser. I want to be free from trying to earn everyone's honor. I want to be free from trying to earn everyone's respect. I don't need it. I have God's love. I have God's esteem. I have God's pleasure. I can't tell you what kind of freedom it is to walk in when you don't need anybody's respect anymore. I can't tell you what kind of joy comes in to my heart. I can't really describe it to you when you're finally free from trying to gauge everybody's respect. You don't need it, brother. You don't need it, sister. You can be free today if we choose not to hide ourselves from God, but choose to hide ourselves in God. Does that resonate with anybody? Look, respect is a good thing, and we all esteem respect from people. This is normal, and this is uh, fine, and it's important. We should have, we should respect people, and we should, we should want people's respect. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, when this becomes paramount ahead of anything else, when it's an unhealthy place, it can be a shackle. There's something I believe God wants to free you from today something that you've been avoiding, something that you've been filling your heart with other things in order to avoid the subject.
God wants to set you free and God wants you to move forward. Psalm 91 says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, there's a song we sang many years ago. It's called Still, and the verse says this, Hide me now under your wings. Cover me within your mighty hand. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. Father, this morning, as we all stand, let's stand together. And we close this service singing this song. Let's make a commitment not to hide from God any longer, but to turn our faces and our hearts and our affections toward Him. To no longer live in denial about a certain issue, but to be open and honest with God about it and say, God, I need your healing, I need your grace, I need your empowerment to live above this sin, to live changed, to, Lord, do what I know me to do for a long time. So Father, help us this morning. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing before you forever. In Jesus' name.